Thank you for joining us at uh, Beer Fish Fanatics. And this episode is actually brought to you by Whisker Seeker Tackle. So make sure you guys go to whiskerseeker.com for all your catfishing gear. Enjoy the episode, guys. I did pregame earlier, though, Ernesto, with my wife. She was like, it's Cinco de Mayo. So I had to, uh, the four kids were playing around. We had dinner, and she, like, started pouring tequila. I was like, what the hell? I go, I got a podcast tonight, honey. She goes, it's all good. You'll be nice and warmed up for it. I was like, Jesus. (laughs) Story of my life, man. But All right, guys. You got the margaritas flowing? Uh, That's what I bought it for. I bought the tequila for margaritas, and then she just started pouring shots. I was like, what the hell? I'm like, all right, honey. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Ready to to party with the kids. (laughs) All right, guys. Welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Grandy with Ma Pop Fishing. We got Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. And today uh, we have a a special guest. He's actually from out of town where I think uh, the reason why we we wanted him to come on, Mr. Ernesto Flores here. He's with the, uh, is it KDWP, right? Of Kansas? Yep. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just so everybody knows, we, we have a, a fishing trip planned, and we're like, you know, what better way before our fishing trip down to, to Kansas than to have, you know, a, a fisheries biologist in from the, the fisheries divisions in Kansas. So welcome, welcome, Ernesto. How's it going? Good, man. Glad to be here. Excited to, to do this show and talk about talk about Kansas fishing. There we go. There we go. So quick shout out to our sponsor, uh, Kelowna Brewing Company. I'm drinking the Quick Wit. I don't know. I, I think I had this last time, but I, I'll, I'll do it again. But the Quick Wit, it's a Belgian style wit air. Um, I think it's supposed to be Quick Wit. Like play, play with, what, what's that thing? Play with words? Is that, is play that on it? words? Play on words, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got, Kit? I, I, I'm actually drinking the same beers last time too. The uh, Double Night Vision. Belgian style ale double. So we're going European on you, Ernesto. We're drinking some Europe, like European tasting type beer, I guess, right? Belgium. You're going pounders. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Cheers, guys. Ernesto's being a good boy today, guys. So if you guys are wondering, like, why is why is he not drinking beer? He goes, well, number one, you know, he he's he's punched in because he's going to be giving us the the lowdown on fish and fisheries down there. So it, we're ready to rock and roll, but. If, if, if anybody who's new to our listeners, we, we've got some new downloads and a lot of new listeners. Uh, we, we actually had Ernesto on our podcast, I want to say maybe about a couple months ago. And, you know, he was up here for the uh, conference and we were able to get him on. He was so cool. Adam, he had a lot of information, but we only had like 10, 15 minutes with him. So we figured, you know what? We got to get him back on so he can really um, give us the lowdown about Kansas fisheries and everything on that. So uh, you don't mind, Ernesto, if, if, you know, can you describe yourself, what you do, give us a little bit of background about you and yourself and, 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 you know, what you do at uh, KDWP? All right. So I'm a, I'm a fisheries biologist for the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. Um, my position is, is, I describe it as a fisheries biologist, but really I work out of the Emporia Fish Research and Survey Office. Uh, within the office, we have uh, multiple statewide coordinators. We have a fisheries research coordinator, an aquatic nuisance species coordinator, a, a human dimension specialist, and then of course our supervisor and then um, several other um, coworkers. But the, the beauty of my, the office that I work in is we kind of work in all realms. So it's not specifically just geared towards management, um, which 
you know, um, which is basically uh, looking at, you know, fish populations and stuff. But I get to work what with like aquatic nuisance species. Uh, we deal with like a commercial, I uh, oversee the commercial bait program for the state. So I guess in, in short, I'm trying to describe that I, you know, I get to work in like a wide swath of, uh, of fisheries related fields. Um, so it's pretty exciting. I get to, I get to learn a lot um, along the way, along my job. Cool. Mm, you're kind of like a jack of all trades and fisheries then, huh? Um, I guess just the more I know, the better, you know, the more, the more knowledge I put in my brain, I guess the better off I'll be. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy it, man. I enjoy learning. <laughs> Do you have, I'm just curious, cause as, as fishery biologists and people who work for, you know, uh, um, the departments, do people expect you guys to be like amazing fishermen? You know what I mean? Because I, I honestly, because I thought, okay, when we had the Iowa DNR on and, and, and you guys on, we were there, like, man, these guys got to be badass fishermen, right? I mean, the, the expectation is because you guys know the damn fish, uh, you know, what they do and how they breed and all that stuff. So you would think that you guys are like amazing fishermen. Do you guys ever get that or do you guys ever feel that? Yeah, when I started, when I went to school and I thought I was, you know, I found out that this is what I wanted to do. I was like, man, this is going to improve my fish catching ability <laughs> for sure. But um, I guess I'm, I'll speak on behalf of myself. It, it definitely helps to like understand the biology of the species that you're targeting. So knowing when they're going to be spawning, when they're going to be lo located during like times of the year, what kind of habitat they use. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, it's, you're still going to have to get the fish to bite, you know, you're still going to have to have the right presentation. Um, you're just going to have to be in the right spot. Conditions, weather, wind, rain, sun, you know, all those things affect fishing. But it, I don't know. I'm not going to say that it helps and makes you become a better fisherman, but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not much of a competitive fisherman myself, but yeah, it, it helps a little bit. Um, Doesn't it's a hurt. good time. Doesn't hurt. So that's good. Yeah, 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 basically, yeah. At least, well, do you do, are you involved with any surveys down there, like as netting or electro fishing or whatever? Yeah, so um, we have 17 district fisheries biologists in the state of Kansas. Um, and those, each one of those uh, individuals has like seven or eight counties in the state of Kansas. So they actually oversee like the actual, you know, standard sampling where they deploy elect, uh, gill nets, trap nets, uh, electro fishing for largemouth blue cats. Um, and they actually kind of they handle the data. The beauty of our office is we kind of have we, we get to help uh, those district fisheries biologists. So if they have a question, you know, they're looking at uh, just last year, we were looking at blue catfish at Tuttle Creek, um, you know, and we did a big expansive project there and trying to estimate how much or how big the population was, how fast the fish are growing. Um, really big like tagging effort it was basically we spent a month on the water shocking blue cats it was a wow. good time um Jeez. so we do have you know the ability to go out there and actually throw gear um, throw juice into the water um but we actually don't have like any what you would say like our own uh management district but we do get to help all the surrounding biologists we're located in emporia it's like east central kansas so it's really in a good region a uh, good area in terms of like you know having milford an hour away ha having a lot of reservoirs that are um an hour away 30 minutes away there's just a lot more water in eastern kansas uh, mm -hmm. than there is western kansas so we're located in a pretty good spot cool well we might as well jump into it so blue cats man i know so fishing kid over here i mean he he he's notorious he i mean i don't think we've made a trip quite yet right this year we haven't made a trip to go chase the the blue cats yet right this year? uh nope i have not 
gone on a blue cat trip yet, but yet, yet, I, yet. it's it's in the plans. It's in the plans. There we go. So, I mean, can you tell us? A, I mean, we, we touched on this, you know, on, on the episode that you were with us for briefly. But why is Kansas so well known now? It, it feels like now, like in the, I want to say probably in the last five years or so, right? I, I feel that that it's been a popular destination for people to, to chase these blue cats and, and why and how have they been so successful there in Kansas? Can you, can you help explain that or, or what's going on with the blue cats there? Yeah. So a little bit of history, I guess, about blue cats in Kansas. So they, they were perceived to be native in like three rivers in Eastern Kansas before KDWP started stalking them to try to get a population established, like, you know, a fishery that, English could take advantage, you know, go enjoy. Um, we started that stocking effort in 1990 at Milford uh, Reservoir. Um, this is one of it had. Um, it's an impoundment of the Republican River, which basically then drains into the Kansas River, which is one of those uh, rivers that were perceived to have native blue cats in Kansas. But it took that that particular reservoir 11 years uh to see recruitment to see these fish you know after stocking it to see these fish actually begin to reproduce and we started seeing year classes come on so when biologists were out there sampling in the fall uh, which is when kansas does a lot of their uh, standard um, standard netting surveys um they started seeing those smaller fish and they were like well you know we haven't stocked in three or four years these have got these are basically the evidence of recruitment or you know um them reproducing so it took 11 years um, after we saw that success then we started stocking these things in, a, in other larger reservoirs in kansas and i think we're up to maybe 14 or 15 reservoirs that have been stocked so post 2001 we had i believe tuttle creek in like 2003 and el dorado uh, around that same time and then we had another group of reservoirs in like 2006 2007 2010 uh, all the way up to like 2015 um, and we still intermittently stock uh, some blue cats to try to get them established um, if they need some help. But yeah, you're starting to see those fisheries, I guess, grow. Um, you saw, you know, I mentioned Milford took 11 years. If we're, we're starting to see a lot of those populations kind of mature and blossom uh, to where they're beginning to, to recruit and reproduce. And, you know, that's why it's critical for us to get out there and throw nets in the water and figure out what's going on. Um, but yeah, I think that's you know, directly correlated kind of with uh, the fact that Kansas is kind of becoming, you know, a little established in terms of the blue catfish world. Um, we, we have the Kansas River, which has, you know, a, a, a blue catfish fishery. That's one of the large rivers in Kansas. Uh, but we we're predominantly stuck to stocking them in, in our larger federal or our larger reservoirs, um, 3000 acres or, or larger. But um, we I just got done visiting with the human dimension specialist in our office and I, I was curious. I was writing a paper and I was like, man, I know we did this in 2006. So blue catfish were un, unranked in the power rankings of fishing and anglers. So we, we creel, uh, we creel licensed anglers um, and ask them like, you know, what their favorite fish to catch is and what their favorite fish to um, actually, you know, fish for questions like that. And blue catfish in 2006, not on the map, zero, you know, um, then we do it again in 2013 and they creep up to number six. And then uh, we just got done doing another iteration here in 2020, um, and they climbed all the way up to number four. So you're starting to see, you know, blue, blue cats are starting to proliferate across the state. Anglers are starting to notice them. Maybe they stumble upon them. You know, they're out there fishing for channel cat. They throw some Whoa, this one doesn't look like a channel. Um, so, yeah, I guess it correlates a little bit with our 
our stocking efforts that we've been doing. What was number one? <laughs> number one, I believe it's largemouth bass. Oh um, shit, man. Horseshit. Yeah. Sorry, sorry guys. Sorry, sorry to our bass <laughs> listeners, man. Bullshit. Those people just hasn't they just haven't caught a blue cat yet. <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a bass angler, man. I'm I'm in Kansas here fishing for those five pounders, man. Those Kansas five pounders. Um, but yeah, uh, as this, as I'm sure is the case, you know, in a lot of states, largemouth happens to be, you know, it's it's man, you see it everywhere. You spend the most money on bass tackle, probably. So, yeah, yeah. Cat, I feel like catfish is always going to be the underdog. I think that's yeah. why I think that's why I like catfishing so much. You know, you you, you always gotta you know talk smack about number one and root root for the underdog. Oh yeah, man, March Madness, man. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, man. oh yeah. Um, speaking of Milford, um, so recently there was a, a slot limit that uh, got implemented there. Uh, I can't remember how long it's been, but do you know you know what what was the reasoning behind that and or what are the results that are coming from having that slot there? So I think, I, I believe the regulations are 25 through 40 inch protected slot limit with a one fish over 40 inches. Um, and I believe the rest have to be uh, below 25. And I think it's a five fish a day, but um, I could be wrong, but I think that's what the regulation is. And the reasoning behind that was we had a lot of as you guys know, when you're fishing for like catfish, I mean, most guys are throwing seven aught, eight aught, ten aught circle hooks and baiting them with cut carp. I just got done watching your uh, channel catfish fishing video on the on the river, so oh, I saw those hooks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, they're throwing this these big gear, and those bigger fish are really susceptible towards those big uh, hooks. You know, you're throwing a big giant piece of meat out there. So we had Milford just being the popular destination, you know, for, for blue cats, uh, we had anglers that were, you know, concerned with the ability of anglers to, to harvest these individuals, these trophy sized fish. So just like it's with anything, you know, um, in fisheries, we, we want those big fish, man, you hate to see them go, you know, you, you want to keep catching them. Um, so the regulation was put in place. Obviously we looked at the data as well. Um, and thought that the 25 inch threshold, um, you know, being able to harvest below was kind of a suitable size. Um, we're starting to see a little bit with blue cats, uh, kind of the same thing that we see with largemouth. We see uh, as these populations, like for Milford, for example, um, it still has a, a plethora of, you know, big fish, uh, but we're starting to see um, them just go nuts, man. I mean, there's so many 18, 20 inch fish in that lake. Um, and just like with largemouth, you know, in order to improve growth, um, being able to harvest those smaller individuals and a 20, you know, 24 and a half, 24.99 inch blue cat, still a good size to where English can fillet and get, you know, a decent size, um, you know, decent size amount of meat um, off those fish. So that's, that's where the 25 inches came from. And then um, post, you know, the regulation, we did a, a, a dynamic rate evaluation. So we looked at growth. And we found out that 40 inch blue cats, it takes them on average 20 plus years to get the 40 inches. Now that's, that's a long time for return on investment on a 40 inch fish, you know? So being able to protect those and give them a chance to, you know, swim free and grow anywhere from 25 to 40 inches. That's, that's a good, um, that's good for the fishery. Uh, and equally just, you know, it takes them 20 years to get to 40 inches. It takes them 10 years to go from 25 to 40. So 
it's just a you know we talk about how old these fish are there's always the the question when um recently you know i saw like a buffalo that was aged like 90 some years like it's crazy you know 20 years wow. for a 40 inch blue cat <laughs> how, how old do blue cats get i mean i mean i guess you can say what was the oldest blue cat that's been caught I think i mean that would be the only way you guys can kind of i guess test to see how old yes they get. So we aged these uh, blue cats from Milford using pectoral spines. The oldest one we found, I believe, was 23 years old. And it was, oh, man, I want to say like 1,200 millimeters. I don't know off the top of my head what that equates to in inches. Um, I just remember it from the project. But it was 23 years old. Uh, the, the thing with, like, you know, how old they are, it's all kind of dependent on how fast they're growing. So mm -hmm. fish, a 23-year-old fish in Milford may get to, you know, 47 inches but a, a 23 year old fish on the mississippi and i keep in mind i don't know what the you know what's going on there but that fish may be 100 pounds you know at age 23 it's just kind of dependent on the system of how big they're going to get um you know correlates to correlating to how old yeah. um, no, the fish actually are that's good information to you because we had jeff on to to really explain that because a lot of people are like when they see uh like you're just saying a hundred pound fish you're like dude that's like 50 years old you know blah 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 but it's just like you guys are saying it really depends on the location of the water and all that stuff so it all depends and so people saying just because you see a, a 40 pound fish or whatever it doesn't necessarily mean that's 40 years old or 50 years old it could be a young fish like you're saying um, that's on the river has a lot of forage and it just depends. So that's, it's mm -hmm. good to, yeah. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll have to ask kind of, well, I'll have to ask our local fisheries because, um, recently, I guess within the last few years, they've started stocking in two lakes, uh, with blue cats. And I, I hope like they're looking at down at Kansas and start spreading them out to more lakes. I mean, I guess it's going to depend on how these lakes do in the next few years but man i, I mean I, I like going down to kansas and all but if i can only <laughs> drive an hour or so and just still catch blue cats you know i'd really appreciate it yeah yeah for sure man i hope i hope they can get them established they you know what's crazy about kansas is it's really located kind of on the periphery of i really don't like the i've said this before in the, like other you know public things like this that I've done, like the native range term. Um, but blue cats do like in Kansas, they are kind of on the periphery of the range, whatever their, their perceived uh, native range is. So, you know, I always kind of sit in there too, but these things, I mean, that we've seen them be successful in Kansas. I'm hoping you guys can see, you know, similar success in Iowa and wherever else they're introduced. They're just a, they're an awesome fish, man. They're, they get big, you know, anglers love catching big fish. They love taking the picture with the big fish, you know, you know, record type status, but they're also tasty. Like, you know, anglers love to eat, ang anglers love to eat blue cat um, here in Kansas. So yeah, it, it's an awesome fish. I hope you guys do it. For sure. I, I hope so too. Like my fingers are crossed. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> they, I, I, mean, I, I haven't gone down there to target those fish um, at those lakes yet because they're kind of, well, I guess one of them isn't terribly far from me, but they're not, they're not quite, you know, that big size yet. I think 10 pounds is the top range that we got right now. And I'm surprised the DNR, I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons, but I'm surprised there's no, there's no system implemented to make sure those fish get big here since it's kind of like a limited, like a really limited resource when I think about it. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hopefully it all works out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But if, our listeners, if you guys haven't checked out, go check out Fishing Kit's uh, channel. He, he, you'll, you'll see him because catching, I'm telling you, catching a blue cat on a kayak, it's just unbelievable. And it, especially when you catch, if it's a, you know, 20, 30, 40 pound, it, it, it's insane. Just the, the crazy fight that you have to do with it on a kayak. I mean, I, we, we did it on a kayak. So, I mean, I bet you the same feeling, obviously, on a boat, but on a kayak, it, it will just, utterly it was just pure chaos so it's just one of those things like i i highly recommend any kayak fishermen women here if you haven't caught or at least chased these blue cats go do it i did it on my birthday weekend last year didn't catch a single thing until one and then it was like the biggest freaking catfish i've ever caught in my life and and i have a witness even though i didn't record it damn it i I keep getting shit from this guy all day every day about that i didn't i didn't take pictures i was too damn excited but it, it was just pure chaos. So you guys got to try. If you're a kayak fisherman, I highly recommend. Go try and catch one of these blue cats. It's just, it's pretty cool. You're probably rolling around like Jeremy Wade out there. Have you seen those episodes when he's fly fishing off a kayak, you know, like in the Amazon, just getting twirled around? Man, I've never caught a, I've never caught a, a catfish off the kayak. Well, I shouldn't say I never. I've caught a few channel cats bass fishing on bass jigs of all things. But um Yeah specifically targeting blue cats on a kayak sounds like an adrenaline rush man especially if you get into a big one yeah for sure and then you know because I, I like i was saying the that weekend we went i just busy watching them catch the whole weekend and i'm like god this sucks i can't get one every everybody literally around me was catching and i just couldn't get one and then once you hit that one i'm telling you it was just one of those things like i i, I want to go back down there i i really want to go back and, and chase them again um, and get the opportunity to, to hopefully catch on the, on my new kayak this year. Hopefully, well, the weather's been kind of shitty. Is it? It's been windy as hell here. Here, rainy, faint. It's just snowing, and then finally, just recently, has been okay. The weather now, so hopefully, it'll get better, right, Kit? I don't know. Yeah. So, how's the weather been down in Kansas? And I always been really windy, rainy, and then I think we've only had two days where it was seventy degrees that I can think of off, off the top of my head. Uh, I'm guessing Kansas isn't that different from Iowa. I mean, you're still a few hours away, but I'd imagine it being pretty similar. Yeah. Do you guys still have like brown, you know, brown grass on the shoreline? Are you guys starting to green up a little bit? I I guess I'm just, um, we're starting to green up. We, a coworker of mine in the office actually said that we have broken the record for high wind warnings in Kansas above or wind speeds above 25 miles per hour and we're five months in into the year um so we've been really windy we've been you know almost like twilight weather you know twilight movie weather like rainy cloudy overcast and yeah it's been hard to get out on the water especially like I'm a kayak angler so it's hard hard to find days where it's not windy to get out there man um, a, lot of, a lot more bank fishing a lot more creek off the beat path type of fishing for me just because of the weather here yeah we uh i don't fishing kit and myself 
our kayak hasn't even touched the water yet this year. It's been so crazy windy, oh. and, and and I yeah we haven't our kayak hasn't even touched the water. I haven't even I haven't even posted a video on my YouTube channel because I can't catch shit. The wind, the rain, it's just <laughs> it, it's been hectic, dude. It's been insane this year. You're right. It's just it's just been sucky. I mean. I wish I had more time to go. I, I've been really busy, but man, I just, I hope, like you say, I hope, hopefully this summer. I, like I said, I think it's just going to skip everything. It's going to go straight to summer, and hopefully the winds die down. And we get a chance to to chase some fish on the yak. I mean, I'm, it's sitting there. I keep, I keep telling my wife keeps giving me that look like you bought this shit this year, and then it's still sitting in the garage. Like, are you ever going to use it? Type of <laughs> type of look. She didn't even have to say anything. It's just the look. <laughs> You don't think I want to be out there? I know, right? That's that's exact. I mean, I, I want to say that, but then I was like, man, I better tread tread lightly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. In yeah. regards to your response, you got to tread lightly in certain safe, things. safe bet. Yes, exactly, man. Um, the reason we're gonna go to Kansas is um, technically in a couple, two weeks, kit right? Two or three weeks, we're gonna be no, actually, in about a month, in a month. Yeah, one so, month from now. So we're not gonna be really chasing catfish i mean granted it'll be bonuses if we can if we can catch them i mean we might throw a couple lines here and there but we're gonna be chasing fish with stripes i think right kit i think are we gonna be targeting yeah those more? yeah yeah we're not i mean we'll, we'll tell ernesto later but yeah. we're not going to milford but we're we're going down to another lake down there that has a lot of white bass yeah it's like it's amazing Big. like the average size of these white bass i'd say you feel like they're like two pounds of boards? I would yeah. say on, on average, it's two pounds. Like one and a half to two pounds. That's like the the typical that you, you'll you catch. Anything less than a pound, you're like, what the hell is rare? And then you get a couple even bigger than that. But yeah, I, w- I would say one and a half to two pounds for sure, Kit. That's that's the average we catch. Yeah. Is um Speaking of white bass, is that a fishery that the KWP manages at all? Or, or, or is it kind of just like... Oh, they're there. They just sustain themselves, kind of thing. So, I mean, as is the case, we our district biologists sample in the fall. Uh, they throw uh, gill nets in the fall, and you know they catch a lot of white bass where the white bass are, um, and then they use that data to kind of figure out what's going on. In terms of like actively managing that that fishery, like on a statewide basis, it's. I mean, white bass just kind of do their thing in the state. You know, they're 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 just. They're awesome. Um, I, I, I just stumbled into, I was creek fishing. So I, I always hear about guys talking about the white bass run, you know, when they run up the river and they begin spawning. So I'm up in the creek avoiding the wind uh, in the kayak and I'm bass fishing and I stumble onto, you know, like a 15 and a half, 16 inch white bass. Um, and I, we just have like a plethora of those opportunities across the state. So, you know, we, we have them in a lot of our um, a lot of our reservoirs and they're just they're fun fish to catch they fight um you fillet them up they taste good too um yeah they're i i would i would say they're almost like on the underrated wagon with you know the catfish species um but yeah we don't you know in terms of what we do for them it's just you know they're, they're there they exist they do well um and those anglers that know about them you know they sure enjoy going after them and targeting those fish for sure so um kansas listeners we have a lot of kansas listeners hey we're gonna and you might get some <laughs> out of towners after this podcast it's all good we love you guys you know we'll pay for our license and everything down there we, we love but you're right i think the white bass down there for some reason i i, I think it was a, 
the last couple of years, me and Kit, when we go down there, when we do this trip because we meet my my in laws who meet us halfway um, uh, down there in Kansas. And I'm telling you, every time we catch, it, it never surprises us. It's just every time we just catch, like holy shit, it just keeps ripping, you know, and it, it fights so hard. These white bass, it's just unbelievable. Like people don't believe us until I think we had sake fishing, Sean. Our buddy went down there. He's like, "Yeah, something, something about something in the waters in Kansas. Their your white bass. It fights harder than I mean. It already fights hard here in Iowa, but for some reason we don't know what is in your guys' water. It just fights like it. Fe- it feels just a, a, like two times harder. I don't know, right, Kit? I don't know, man. I'm- yeah, like I even joked about it in one of my videos because we were we got on a pile of them, and every single one. They're just digging and digging like, man, there's got to be something in the water, man. <laughs> it's that productivity, man. They're making them grow. They're making them <laughs> tough. Um, but yeah, you're, I mean, you're talking about white bass. We still, here in Kansas too, we offer uh, uh, the hybrid, you know, mm. hybrid bass too. Um, I call it, you know, the wipers. Um, they're, <laughs> they, uh, they, they exist too. And they, they kind of roam around with those white bass too. And, you know, you're fishing for whites occasionally or white bass. And then occasionally you stumble into a hybrid and you're going to know it's a hybrid because those things, you know, take off. Um, then we also have some striped bass, uh, fisheries in the state that, and, you know, one particular uh, lake in Kansas, it's, it's, you know, super clear. And there's like 15, you know, 20 pound stripers in there. I actually had the opportunity as like a seasonal back in the day, back in the day, like you know, six, seven years ago, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was working as a tech and my boss was like, hey, the hatchery is getting rid of their striper broodstock. You know, that's what they use to, you know, to make striped bass, um, you know, fry fingerlings, intermediates, whatever it is, whatever the biologists are, are you know, requiring. But they're like, hey, they're, you know, they're getting rid of their broodstock. We're going to stock them. So I, I pull up, there's like, you know, 20 or 30 striped bass in this uh, fish truck and I'm offloading them one by each by hand because they're all 25 pound plus. I had one that was 38 pounds and it did a, a crocodile death roll on my arm. And I was like, dude, these fish are nothing to mess around with, man. They're, they're tough. Like, and they're underrated. They fight, they fight awesome. And yeah, we, we have a lot about those opportunities. I know we're kind of going on a tangent off white bass, but they're they all kind of look no. the same, you know, we, we wanted to go on that too, because uh, that's a bucket list fish for fishing kid and myself. I mean, we've never caught a, a, a traditional striped bass. So you guys are close to us, and and hopefully we lucky. You know, we can talk offline. <laughs> we'll want to ask you a little bit, get a little tips from you, uh, the location. But um, you know what? If you don't mind, so I know this is kind of a different tangent, but can you explain white bass, a white hybrid striped bass, and a striper for people? Because some people, I still get it till this day. Like in Iowa, they're like, "Yeah, that's a striper. It's a striper." I go and then fishing kit. I can hear him. Like I can see his eyes roll. We don't have no stripers in Iowa, guys. It's a, it's either a hybrid striped bass or a white bass. But if you don't mind, can you explain the difference between each one of those three in case somebody's listening? Like, okay, what the hell's the damn difference? You know, what's the big deal? I guess. So uh, white bass, they're man, and, and this is tough because you know when we find these in, in nets, they're in terms of trying to determine. Like, it's easy to determine when they're big, uh, when they're large fish. So if you get a white bass that's that's going to be a big white bass of three, four pounds. Then you get a wiper that's, you know, the same size, three, four pounds and a striper, and you put them all next to each other. You're going to be able to tell the difference 
um, the morphology of the fish. You're gonna be able to tell difference like by by features. So a striped bass will have much more pronounced um, lines. It's just a very very solid like line pattern across its body, and it's much more elongated. And I could get into the whole scientific like you know, there's a tongue patch type of deal to where you actually have to open the mouth and look at whether one fish has one tongue patch or two tongue patches. And half the time I'm looking, I can't even tell. So it's just, it almost, it almost becomes like a, uh, the more fish that you see of those particular species of those three, uh, the easier it becomes to kind of differentiate which, which one it is. So white bass generally deeper in terms of like the dorsal fin to um, pelvic fin area. So it's a kind of a, a smaller stout, um, fish they're all part of the Moranid family um throwing some science in there from ichthyology class but um <laughs> and then um then you get your hybrid bass which basically they're uh, a cross between breeding a white bass and a striped bass so they're the they're the middle ground of like a white bass is kind of on the smaller end if you've got all three that are the same size um and, and in terms of like how big they get white bass don't generally get as big as like a hybrid bass or a striped bass um, but then your hybrid bass fall right in the middle. So as I say, it's a cross between a white bass uh, and a striped bass. And those, uh, they just, those are the ones that get, you know, eight, I've seen them 13 pounds here in Kansas. I've had a buddy catch a 13 pound hybrid bass and that's just insane. Um, but they're just, they're kind of the middle ground. Um, and then you got your striped bass, which I, like I said, they're not, they're much more elongated. Um, they're, they're almost, oh man, they, they almost look like a marine fish, you know, like they're just, they've got a, a different body shape to them, uh, but those fish can get anywhere up to, you know, 40, I've seen them 40 pounds, 45 pounds. So they have the opportunity to reach that trophy status. I mean, anything can really reach trophy status if you think about it, but they're just, you know, those fish of a lifetime. For sure. Mm. So with the striped bass, uh, I'm, I'm wondering why not just stock all striped bass instead of stocking the hybrids? Like why, why is hybridizing them a thing if you got, you know, the true ocean striped bass in, in your lakes? Uh, it just comes down to just striped bass. Um, they, they just don't do well in all um, environments. You know, they have to have the adequate environmental conditions for those fish to, to thrive. I know there's, you know, there's a striped bass population in Texoma, but you're talking about a 100,000 acre reservoir with plenty of water. It's got plenty of depth. Uh, those fish can hunker down there they're, they're a highly mobile species. So they have a high oxygen requirement. Um, and you know, they, you just take some, just offers a lot more surface acreage for those fish to, to exist and, <clears throat> and thrive. Um, but yeah, it just comes down to them being able to survive in whatever ecosystem they're being thrown in. Hybrid bass are a little, white bass do so well in Kansas. Hybrid bass are kind of that middle ground. Um, they give English an opportunity to catch something a little bigger than a white bass. Um, but yeah, it just comes down to, to how well they do in the system. We, we, we have a few striped bass fisheries in, um, in the state of Kansas and where we don't have striped bass, we have hybrid bass, which just, you know, do just as excellent as, a uh, as a white bass that fisheries do. Gotcha. Gotcha. So is it a white bass dad and a striped bass mom? <laughs> Or is it the other way around? Or is there like, it doesn't really matter? Good question, man. I'm, I'm You're going to put me on the spot. For We're sure. We're going to edit this out because I'm, I'm going to have to go Google it, man. I don't think so. <laughs> That's awesome. Because I've always wondered that too. Like, which one is the dad? Which one is the mom? That's a great question, kid. <laughs> We're going to get to the bottom of this. We will. And we will. I, I know, I hope no other biologists watch this and they're sitting there and they're like, man, this guy doesn't know this off the top of his head. And, <laughs> no, you <it's> know. Awesome. <laughs> 
Hey, it's, still it's, got some learning to do. It's okay, man. Yeah, I, I, I think we had that question offline before BK. We're like, I think we're like, which one's the dad? Which one's the mom? We just never, we 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 never knew. We never figured it out. We we never asked the I what DNR or anything like that either. So we're just like, well, we might as well ask. Cause okay, does Kansas? Okay, this is the thing. You guys, a lot of the times, I know the Iowa DNR produces a lot of uh, uh, walleyes, you know, fingerlings and everything. And, and they, you know, so you guys produce a lot of, is it a white bass or hybrid striped bass? You guys do that in Kansas a lot, right? Do, do we, do we do that? Yeah. And then do you guys share yes. it like nationwide type deal or how, do, how does that work? Cause we, I think we touched that in one of our podcasts a while ago, but how, how does that network work? Cause I know, cause a lot of people don't know, you know, typical normal angler don't know that. How do these get stocked? You know, because you know, obviously, Iowa produces really well walleyes in regards to you know to to be able to mm -hmm. produce it. So, you guys, I think you guys do right. Is that hybrid striped bass or white bass, or which one do you guys do? Which one? Uh, we do hybrids. We do the hybrid okay. hybrid bass. Yeah. So um, we have a hatchery that has striped bass uh, brood stock on hand, and you know, those are the fish that I mentioned. That I got the opportunity to to throw into the lake. It was awesome. Um, but we're going to get to the facts first. So a, uh, <laughs> a hybrid striped bass is a cross between a female white bass. So the eggs of a, of a white bass and a male striped bass. So there we go. We got the facts. We got okay. that out of the way now. So a um, male stripe and a female white bass. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we do, uh, we have our striped bass uh, brood stock. I think actually we just had our biologists, some of our district fisheries biologists out uh, collecting white bass specifically to create hybrids um, in within the hatchery. Um, so they do, the hatchery do, does their thing. That's one thing that I'm, I'm a little unfamiliar in terms of like, you know, the how hatchery that um, I don't actually get to work. I don't work in a hatchery. I'd like, love to learn all about that stuff too. But in terms of what they actually, the process of, of actually spawning these fish, um, I know our hatcheries take you know, they do a really good job. They fulfill the demands of, of what our biologists, you know, whatever the request of is their district or fisheries, what they need. Um, but yeah, we do, uh, we do create hybrids and then we end up stocking them in a lot of our federal reservoirs and they provide just that, that summertime fishing opportunity. If you've ever seen a, a school of hybrid bass hit top water in the middle of the summer, it, I mean, you can throw a rooster tail, you can throw an eighth ounce jig, you can throw a buzz bait. It doesn't really matter. And those fish are going to hit it and hit it hard. So yeah, um, we do our, as for KDWP, we do do some stocking. I'm not too sure in terms of sharing them with like other states. I know if we were to share um, in, in terms of the trade business, we, uh, there is some of that going on, but I'm, I'm unfamiliar in terms of that side of the, um, you know, the fish trade business for KDWP. For sure. Hmm. So where does wipers uh, stack in the, uh, the the tier list of fish? <laughs> um, in, in terms of what you know, what anglers prefer? Yeah, mm -hmm. there, there at least. Oh man, you know. <laughs> oh, you have to think about it. That I means think, it's, it's not that high. What the heck? <laughs> well, that's the thing is, you know, Kansas Stock offers a variety of different fishing. So you guys talk. Sure. You know, we have walleye. We have our own walleye stocking program, similar to what Iowa does. We have you know, our large mouth, not necessarily in our large, large reservoirs, but our state fishing lakes, some of our other programs where we enroll some of these community lakes have really great, like, you know, five, six pound large mouths. It's just, you know, pond hopping, basically these 100, 150 acre uh, um, bodies of water. Then we have 
you know, the whole Moranid family, the white bass, the hybrid bass, striped bass, trifecta. Um, but in terms of, they're, they're kind of almost like another underrated, uh, you know, resource fishery for it's, it's, it's those guys that know like when white bass run or when, you know, the wipers are hitting top water at, you know, all the impoundments or, you know, you got to go to the specific lake to target your striped bass. Those anglers have a, or, there's a following for those, uh, the trio of, of Moranid species. Um, but yeah, they're just, they're kind of just there, man. They, they exist. I don't know if they're as highly sought after as like a walleye or a crappie, a large mouth, a blue cat. Yeah. They're there. Um, I'll, I'll put them at number five then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I bet you crappies probably top three or something. Some of these guys say, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love crappies, but I just love to eat them. I, I don't know. I mean, catching them is fun and all, but like you say, I'd, I'd rather catch a, a 10 pound wiper than a 15 inch crappie. I'm just saying, I mean, yeah yeah I don't know, that's just... we're actually crappie or man crappie crappie do their thing you know um they're, they're speaking of like you know we're talking about blue cats being so long-lived you know 20 years plus like a crappie and a crappie can get to 13 14 15 inches in kansas in you know three four years like it's kind of a, sh a shorter return um in terms of like you know just our life cycle how old they get but yeah um crappie are I think they're top three. So, you know, they yeah. crop, I think it's largemouth, um, walleye. No, large walleye. that's the top four. Those are the typical. Those are the ones that, yeah. Yeah. The typicals for sure. And then, um, everybody's probably like in Kansas, like Shh, Ernesto, don't tell anybody about your crappies. You're right though. You guys got some, some pretty nice crappies there for sure. Um, that we we come across uh how, how has the crappie season been because i know right now it's about springish springish almost summerish now has it been picking up pretty good i mean we're hoping to catch some too i i would like to get a, a few crappies and you know when we get down there but it might be a little bit too late but how, how's that been uh crappie fishing here in kansas so i think around this time normally they're spawning so they're up shallow doing their thing um but just we've been so slow in terms of water temps i think we have water temps in our reservoirs 58 Ooh. so i mean at the beginning of the beginning of may you know we're going to be a lot of biologists are going to be doing their spring electrofishing. they're pulling up to you know i've seen a lot of biologist snapchats believe it or not um their stories are putting them them up there when they're catching a largemouth and they're shocking a lot of their small lakes because generally those are the ones that heat up faster. Uh, those, those water temps increase those fish head to the littoral zone where they're um, easier to catch. And those fish still have full bellies. Like, you know, they haven't spawned in terms of largemouth. Crappie are right there kind of neck, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the spawn. But yeah, we're kind of slow. Um, but not to say that the crappie fishing's, you know, slow here in Kansas. It's just in terms of where they are on um, in spawning. In the spawning time cycle, they're just... I, they're just about to start, you know, really getting a hold of the bank and, and crowding on, um, crowding the shoreline. For sure. Yeah, I think I was kind of the same too. I feel like we're a little bit behind compared to the last couple of years. I mean, even looking at our trees, I, 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 look, I go back and look at old pictures every year. Okay, what was I catching during this time last year, the, the year before? And I'm looking at the trees too. And like our tr our trees, they got like little leaflets or whatever. But a year ago, like they had full on like leaves on the trees. Like even 
yeah, the trees are behind, the fish are behind. Uh, the grass is going pretty fast, though. I got to mow my lawn soon. I know. But... Same. I, I got yelled <laughs> oh, at today, like, go cut the grass, boss. I'm like, God, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> I got to do that, too. <laughs> I'm having the dilemma tomorrow. So we've had, dude, probably like three inches of rain in the last twilight weather um, in like the last three days. And tomorrow is supposed to be like 69. And I'm looking at like a five mile per hour wind out of the north. And my lawn is a disaster and I'm, <laughs> I have to balance like, man, do I have to mow or do I use this day? The, the day that, that I was given to me to go fishing, you know? <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I'm going to let you know, go fish, man. <laughs> the, lawn, the, the lawn will just, it'll just still be there. The fish won't, you know what I mean? They, they move. Right. So I'm just saying, just go fish, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaning that way too. Yeah, um, that's a that's an easy <laughs> easy debate for me like fishing or mowing the lawn what if the grass is like six inches don't worry about it it's not going to grow another inch in a day it's going to grow maybe you know it'll be fine you cut it tomorrow yeah. <laughs> you'll be fine yeah <laughs> um man i i want to ask you a little bit uh about the the anglers down in kansas so we what kind of i guess you say issues or struggles do they say or, or you know tell you guys as a department because I, I would say here in iowa a lot of anglers might you know wish we put more regulations here and there on specific fish specific species and stuff so we 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 get that i guess response a lot at least in the forums you know social media and stuff that's what i hear and you know when we talk to people and stuff um is that the same thing you guys get down there do people like i wish there were more regulations or what would you say is the biggest concern or something from, from typical fishermen down there? I think it varies across the state. So um, we just have a gradient in the state of Kansas in terms of like what, I, I don't want to speak like on behalf of anglers, you know, um, but sure. just a gradient in terms of like what potential opportunities exist uh, across the state. So like in Western Kansas, we have a lot of reservoirs that are more, um, you know, they, they succumb to like low water levels more easily. So there's less water. Um, and, but we, they happen to have some of our best walleye fisheries, um, in the state and our anglers like there are, are pretty vocal, you know, they want to be able to harp just walleye is just such a unique fishery with the fact that as soon as these fish, they taste so good, you know, they're not that much fun to catch. Like they don't <laughs> fight, you know, no, but don't. it's almost, it's almost like a badge of honor. If you go out and catch a limit, like it, you're kind of the upper echelon of like anglers you know so um out there you know that they, they want to as soon as these fish get to whatever the the legal length limit is if it's 18 21 um 15 whatever it is those fish are you know they're going home so they if they catch them they're going to harvest them take them home and uh, you know do their thing probably soak them in some grease um but you know, then we get anglers on in the southeastern portion of the state that are, you know, these these river anglers that love limb lining for flatheads, and you know they love catching trophy flatheads. Then you have obviously your like your bass fishermen that exist in every state. Um, you know your crappie live scope anglers. So, in terms of their concerns, there's always going to be concerns with like you know and well, we think about like live scope. You know that's one thing that's been a contentious topic across a lot of fishing so there's always going to be that well you know 
there's guys taking home limits every day. There's taking 50 crappie home every day. So those concerns are probably going to exist across, you know, not just our agency, but other state agencies. And, and we try to do our best to kind of address those concerns because obviously we're in the, we're in the business of providing a product for our constituents. Um, we take the data, we, we try to make the best decision uh, for the fishery. And then hopefully the anglers are happy with, you know, the product that we're putting out there for them. Um, so I think there's always going to be those concerns. Uh, we try our best to listen to them. Um, you know, in terms of like, you talked about something about regulations, you know, being more, more regulated, um, you know, in some instances, it just depends on what the fishery needs. If the fishery needs, you know, more protection, then we're going to implement those regulations and try to keep more fish in the lake. Um, in other instances, we may need more fish to be taken out to improve growth, to improve condition, to, you know, it just depends. Do these anglers want to take five fish that are 15 inches or do they want to go out there and catch, you know, a 27 inch? I'm speaking about walleye. Do they, do they want to catch a limit of like 15 inch, five fish, uh, 15 inch walleye, or do they want to go there and have an outing where they have a chance to catch in a 28, 29 inch fish? You know, it just, we cater to our anglers as best as we can um, in the form of like having, um, you know, commission meetings where they, they have like an open mic basically to where they can be like, Hey, I, you know, I have a concern with live scope i think live scope is going to change you know crappie fishing um and you know within our office we actually have a, a colleague of mine who actually developed a project to, to look into live scope and the, and the use of live scope um to see whether it did influence catching the results that he found were pretty pretty astounding to me i mean as you guys know like the biggest thing you still got to get a fish to bite even if you find them on live scope like you you can drop an eighth you're going to find a tree full of, you know, crappie and you drop a eighth ounce jig. If it's pink, maybe they're not biting pink. Like you still got to find the lure that, you know, the lure color, the, the trailer, the size of the, the jig, maybe it's a jig and rat, maybe it's something else. So you're still going to have to trick those fish into, into biting. But what he didn't he ended up finding out was that the, like the biggest, the biggest var the variable that had the most influence in terms of catch was like home lake advantage. And of course, like if you go to a lake and know where the fish are, just, you know, you've been there for 10 years and you've caught fish at a certain spot over a 10 year period, you're going to know where to, you know, dial in. Um, it's just kind of natural, but I, I think LiveScope helps you find fish, but you still got to get them to bite. So yeah, those are just some things, man. Yeah. No, we, we got to get that gentleman on, on our podcast. Cause, uh, he was on, um, he was a guest on the Iowa DNR podcast. Mm -hmm. They have Iowa DNR party. So he was a guest on there and I, we were, I was listening to that podcast. Like, all right, we got to get him on because, um, cause even fishing kid was like, Hey, if you ever need a test subject, <laughs> we're, we're down. Just let us know what See, <laughs> we're, we're all down to, to, to be one of those, but uh, for sure. And it, it just interesting because um, when he was on a podcast, just giving us the, um, you know, the results and everything, it, it was, it was it's definitely interesting for sure to see how, how, you know, the way they tested it and stuff. So it's kind of cool. Do, is he going to be doing more of that? Do you know, or is it, is it an ongoing project type thing with the live scope? Yeah. So. The first iteration was obviously a, a, a winter crappie um, project. So we were looking at, you know, a lot of anglers during the winter, man, these crappie congregate on you know, 50, whatever, whatever the structure happens to be 15, 25, 40 foot of water. Um, so we were looking at crappie to begin with. We got that, you know, he got that project wrapped up, um, got some excellent results, some excellent data out of it. Next part is in August, we're going to be looking at blue catfish. Does live scope increase uh, the ability or, you know, the total catch of, of blue catfish. So we're going to be out there, uh, fishing a uh, lake in Kansas and 
and one boat's going to be used in live scope, one's not. I, I think it's going to follow a similar uh, study design as the crappie project did. Okay. We're going to try to keep it as, you know, you can always, even when we were bouncing, I was, we were talking about this in the office and, you know, you always, you can try to like a, accommodate for all the variables that would ever influence like catch, but you, you know, it, it comes down to like, man, what can you actually manipulate? What can you control? For and sure. so we're trying to keep the same study. He's going to try to keep the same sit, uh, studies assigned for the catfish portion of the project. You can let him know um, if, if he needs like out of towners that doesn't know the lake. Um, there, there's two gentlemen up here that more than willing to be a participant in this study. Just 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 F1, just throwing it out there, man. <laughs> you know, in the study, he's uh, the study. There's an assumption of the, of the project. And that's that we're sampling the in between anglers not the top 10 percent of the best anglers in the world and not the top 10 of the worst so i think you guys will fit right in no i'm just kidding <laughs> that's, it. that's perfect Dude, at least for me he might i don't know about this guy this guy might he's up there i think I, I would say i'm more like so there's like what is that upper class middle class like middle lower I, i'm probably like middle lower <laughs> class in regards to fishing man I, it's okay i can accept it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean me too man <laughs> yeah uh I, I just go a lot. That's what I tell people. But that's how you get better. Like I'm telling you, man, it's all about experience. I mean, mm -hmm. when when you say you go a lot, you're learning something every time you go out. I mean, it might be you, you might even think about it, but you're just like, shit, that didn't work or that did work. That's why you're going to do it again. So but if you're sitting on the couch or me at home with mowing. the kids, yeah, or mowing the lawn, I'm not going to learn that shit that you just learned. You know what I mean? So it's it's all experience so you have a lot of experience which makes you a better angler mm. i'm i'm gonna comment on the live scope for catfish thing uh i know it, it's nothing scientific it's just me in a kayak i run live scope on my kayak too and for catfishing um i don't even use it for catfishing like at all i feel like it doesn't really make a difference for catfish because you know, with crappies, you know, with live scope, you're scanning around looking for fish and you're basically casting towards that fish with with catfish. Um, at least at least not in my experience. I'm not going around looking for catfish and casting my bait or whatever towards that catfish. Um, so the approach is a little bit different as far as targeting catfish and crappies. So it'd be really surprising if live scope does make a difference in that study that uh your colleagues doing yeah yeah i i mean those are all valid points i'd be curious maybe to, to implement using like a front facing using the front facing portion of the sonar and maybe just knowing you're going to cast your bait out there you know whatever 30 you know 30 feet however far it is and then seeing fish move in maybe are you able to see like signatures like that you can be like man that's a catfish can you because that's another thing obviously our anglers had a concern with you know the use of live scope increasing harvest of crappie they also voiced a concern with the use of live scope potentially you know especially like tournament trails specifically targeting those big fish because you know anglers already had a concern of big fish being taken out of systems so yeah i'd be curious man i i, I never i haven't really delved into it i'll be i'm going in there fresh um unknown kind of but it's yeah that kind of makes sense right well as far as like being able to tell the difference between a catfish and a crappie is, I would say, is fairly obvious, but um, that's just because the catfish is so much bigger than a crappie. But I'd say if you're looking at a carp 
or a catfish, they're kind of size-wise, they're, well, channel cats anyways. Say carp and channel cats, they're about, they're like for like as far as size and shape, I guess. I think it'd be hard to tell the difference between a carp and a catfish. Yeah, and a, and a lot of our, our reservoirs here in Kansas, we have species of buffalo, we have big, you know, big common carp, um, flatheads too. So yeah, I'd, be, I'd just be curious, you know, to see fish signatures, whatever it happens to me. I mean, if you see it in a live scope, I think it's it's cool to just, you know, see these fish basically move up to like, you know, kind of nose up crappie in particular when they nose up to your jig, you know, and you're pulling it up pulling it ever so slightly right in front of them it's just it's crazy the technology is crazy i want live scope on my kayak too i'll get there eventually (laughs) join the club man must be nice must be nice kit jeez uh, you you could also argue that you can tell what fish it is based on its behavior uh let's say you usually think of carp well i would think of carp they kind of just cruise around up high at least that's my thinking maybe they're they kind of just stick on the bottom, but but with ice fishing, I noticed I'd see all these big fish. Let's say I'm fishing in 25 feet of water, and I'd see big fish just cruising around in 10, 12 feet of water. You know, half basically halfway up the water column. And for the longest time, I always thought, oh, it's just a big carp swimming by, whatever. Uh, more often than not, it's a catfish hanging way up there. Hmm, so yeah. it's hard it's hard to tell like if if certain fish is a catfish or not. But like I said, catfish or crappie, a little bit easier to tell. But when it comes to identifying these bigger fish, I'd say it's I'd say it's a little bit harder to tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. We get to go. We get to go test it out, man. I'll I'll, I'll put a bug in uh I'll put a bug in Ben's ear and see. I'll say, man, I just was on a podcast with these two guys. They're dying to get out here, man. They need a or reason. Just tell them. You know what? Let's let. Uh, we'd love to get them on. Uh, if if after mm-hmm. w- w- when is this the the next um, trial run that he's going to be doing this? Do you know? For blue cats, yeah. Uh, it's it's. I think it's sometime in August. I want to say like the first or second week of August. Obviously, it's tentatively planned just because we For don't sure. know what what's going to happen weather wise, wind, wind, wind. Yeah. But you know. Um, <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's scheduled for August sometime. We, we just love to get them on. I, I we'll love to get them on. I'll, I'll I'll reach out to you and see if we can get in, in contact with him. Just you know, because you know, obviously he's behind the whole thing, and um, yeah, it'd be kind of yeah. cool to, to to get his you know input of what he thinks and all that stuff. So it'd be kind of cool on that. For sure, um, you need to get you need to get him on here and give you give you the rundown, man. But that'd yeah, be awesome. Oh, yeah, for good. sure, for sure, for sure. Um, I saw about fishing. Ernesto fishing, man. So what, what are you, what are you, man? What, what are you looking forward to? What do you like to target? Uh, open waters here. I mean, at least for Iowa and, and we're, we're excited. Summer's about around the corner. What, what are you going to be targeting this open water season? What, what's, what's your go-to? I guess you can say that on that too. Well, um, I got the, so I started my supervisor when I was a technician, man, he loved to bass fish. So I picked up bass fishing in Kansas. I was, I worked at a lake that you know, it was 10 foot low uh, while I was out there. And then one summer it came up 10 feet and we had all this vegetation that just got inundated with water. All of a sudden we had all this new habitat and then we stocked bass into it. And then those bass just, they, they survived number one, cause they had the habitat. And basically they just, we had five pounders everywhere and it has smallmouth in it. So I grew up fishing that lake after work. It was a good time. Love bass fishing. Um, still do. And when, you know, we had COVID and everyone, you know, I went fishing a lot 
Um, so, um, I fished for bass quite a bit, man. I spent probably like a hundred days on the water, like the first year, I don't know, Jeez. 2020. And I was, I was, I was loving it. And then I think I got a little like burnt out a little bit. I was like, man, <laughs> you know, cause I, um, I was fishing this one lake in particular, but love to bass fish. Um, this year things kind of changed for me. So I was really excited to come out of winter. I, I did a little bit of ice fishing. Um, I actually went up to Leech Lake uh, in Minnesota and uh we used live scope there too we saw like a like a 10 inch uh pike come through the live scope we actually saw it on the underwater camera so we knew what it was and yeah the signature was a little bigger than like all those three or four inch perch that don't bite ice jigs but um yeah so i did a little bit of ice fishing too really like that that, that's a good time man um and then so as soon as we obviously don't have much ice fishing here in kansas and i just don't have you know the foundation to go sit on the ice here in Kansas. Um, but yeah, coming out, um, spring starts here in March and that's, that's usually when I'm pond hopping, I'm going to Kansas. So here in Kansas, there's like, there's always this, this misconception that like, we don't have enough places to fish. And I'm like, man, we have so many places to fish. We offer so many different programs. Um, well, we'd offer different opportunities across the state. We have obviously our big time reservoirs, 3,000, 10,000 Milford size, you know, 16,000 acres. Uh, then we have our state fishing lakes that are, you know, 100, 200 acres, uh, a lot of community lakes. So a lot of these towns, you know, 4,000 people or so, they have that local fishing hole and then um, they enroll in our community fisheries assistance program. And we basically establish a partnership to where our biologists uh, manage that particular water body, stock it for them, as long as they're okay with opening it up uh, to fishing. There's a little bit more like contracting details behind the scenes but basically that's what the gist of the program is so a lot of places here across like or in the state of kansas they have those fishing holes and um you know we create those partnerships to allow people to fish them um, we have our walk-in fishing access program i'm doing a little promotion i'm trying to put kansas on the map man just, <laughs> for those people that like that that don't know because that's what i use i mean i tell you guys like around this time we've been kind of cool so I've, I've been fishing those smaller water bodies kind of off the beaten path our WEFA, uh, which stands for walk-in fishing access. We have a, a walk-in hunting access called WEHA. Um, we just recently rebranded our WEFA uh, program. It used to be formerly called um, the fish program. I know it's kind of like I'm going to a fish property to go fishing. So we had to we had to change that. We actually had a really cool contest in terms of the WEFA program where we uh, solicited basically like submissions for a new logo. Um, uh, in the state of Kansas and um, a submission here in the state actually won. We got to give him a prize and then he signed over the rights to the logo. So the logo for the WeFall program, I was actually, we have him on some hats. I was actually going to get you guys hooked up um, and show you guys what the logo looks like. But, you know, we just, we offer a variety of different opportunities across the state and, and I take advantage of those. There's a, there's an Atlas online on our website. You just go to Google and type in KDWP fishing Atlas. And it's an interactive atlas that you can open up um, on your phone and find all these locations, these river access points, these walk-in fishing um, ponds, these community fisheries lakes, the reservoirs, the state fishing lakes. And when you look at it broad scale, there's just water you can hit, you know, in every which direction. You can go 20 miles and hit one lake and go, you know, 30 miles the other way and hit another lake. It changes a little bit in eastern, uh, western Kansas because there's there's just a little bit more droughty over there and the water's, you know, harder to find, but like in Eastern Kansas, there's just a lot of places to fish. And that's kind of what I'm doing this year. I know I'm, I'm just rambling here, but yeah, I'm just, I, I did a lot of uh, Creek fishing um, just early on this spring. 
windy, as I mentioned. And uh, so a lot of like our big reservoirs, they have all those fisheries, the walleye, the blue cats, the, the white bass, the crappie, the largemouth. And uh, we have wildlife areas like upstream um, of, you know, the, the river creek that feeds into our large impoundments that you can, and there's, there's access points. There's literally boat ramps where people can launch their boats and, you know, fish up the creek. You can fish for whites, you can fish for bass, you can fish for crappie. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm, uh, I'm trying it all, man. I'm, I'm excited right now. I'm, the bass are kind of slow. So i um, been doing a little bass fishing. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting my fly rod out here uh, to go bluegill and red ear fishing. I, I love bluegill and red ear. It's just, I, I think that's my favorite fish to eat, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But yeah, gonna, gonna get on that uh, bluegill red ear bite. And then here pretty soon, I, um, we have a new guy that started working out our office and he's, and he loves to fish too. And he's, he's got the life scope set up and everything, but we're, <laughs> we're planning, we're trying to get like a wiper, a, a, a hybrid bass trip planned out to go, um, to go to one of the lakes up North uh, of our office. So I'm all over the place. I I'm learning. I, I want to try different fishing. You know, I've been a bass angler for like the last you know four or five years. And I, I kind of want to increase the repertoire, the repertoire. And we just offer different opportunities throughout the timeline you got those early bass in march you got you know walleye too in march um in our big reservoirs you got the white the white bass hybrid bass stripers you got your walleye bite you got you know the fall bite you just got all sorts of bites going on man you can really you can really pick what you really want to do uh, we're, we're pretty blessed for sure and then um <clears throat> this winter you got to come up to iowa Come, come, come ice fishing with us. We'll take you out. Cause I, I, I do remember in our last podcast with you or when we were talking, uh, when you were up here, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go ice fishing this first time, but you got to come up and ice fish with us this winter. Um, it'll, it'll be fun. We'll, 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 I think there's some, some locations that we, we can take you to that's somewhat close to you. I guess you can say if, if once that ice is over and, uh, we'll, we'll get you on some, some decent fish for sure. Sounds good, man. When we went up the leech, I was the only one. We caught like, uh, I want to say like five or six burbot. That's that was the target Ooh, species. Nice. Okay. Through the ice, dude. And I, oh man, I was the only one who didn't catch one, and it, it haunts me. It haunts <laughs> oh, me no. because that means I'm is I'm not just that terrible. <laughs> so we had to rattle. What do they call those rattle reels? Um, mm-hmm. you know, hooked on the ice shack. And there's a burbot that swims on the ice camera, and I see it down there dude i'm one i'm one v one with this burbot like i'm i have the <laughs> reel in my hand and it's like you know doing that like almost t- turning like trying to get the bait in its mouth and i i thought it had it and i yanked it up and it was gone and that was my chance so oh, yeah man. i'll definitely take you up on that as long as i can catch something man i'm just ice fishing is just well, we, we have we have some spots that you can catch multiple species so that's kind of cool so um We'll definitely we'll, we'll definitely uh, get in touch with you as, as it gets a bit colder, but we'll worry about that in the winter. But we'll definitely reach out to you on that. And, uh, but definitely, you'll have a good time for sure. Yeah, no, Sounds no burbot, no burbot in no, Iowa, but we might be able to probably knock like five species off for you at this one spot for sure. Yeah, white bass, yeah, wipers. I got seven catfish. species. I got seven species seven? last last this 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 winter, dude. At that, at that one in one at adding spot. in, in one, one outing, outing or seven what? species shit was That's crazy insane. yeah off a, a little tungsten jig probably um no it was a like a spoon and just you know either either i was using a spoon and a wax worm or a spoon and a, a minnow. that's it 
I'm ignorant, man. I don't know. I, I, when I went up there, I was like, man, I'm going to go spend like 50, 60 bucks on lures. I bought spoons. I bought jigging wraps. I bought tungsten jigs and (laughs) it works. I mean, they work. You just got to kind of figure it out. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they don't want the big stuff. Sometimes they want you to downsize it. You got to get, you will make a weekend trip. You come hang out with us, kick it with fishing kit myself we'll, we'll have a good time we could even we'll, we'll even do a podcast it'll, it'll, it'll be fun dude we'll, we'll do another episode it'll be fun yeah man sounds good sounds good for sure yeah, um i i want to get you on a catfish in the kayak mm. in your deck of the woods Ooh, that'd be dope man that would be a lot of fun i yeah so to describe myself like i i want to learn new things too um in terms of fishing man like catfish has got to be, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to downplay the catfish here, but like, I don't know. It's just sitting there and waiting kind of like. It depends. Like to, it depends. It depends. You know, I like to, I like to chase thing. I, I guess it's more like, I'm not much of a hunter, so I don't really hunt, you know, deer or anything. So I guess the thrill of the hunt when you fish, I guess that's kind of my like evaluating what's going on like you know i guess you do that with channel cats too yeah um, you're hunting them man <laughs> you're hunting the catfish is yeah man. yeah 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 no i'm but uh i'm open to whatever man you're gonna throw the opportunity for me to go catch catfish off a kayak uh, am i gonna be that guy that says no, no. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. Oh, i get it though i get it because i've been i've been doing a lot of catfishing this year and yesterday was the first time I really went out with the jig and just just that thump and setting the hook. There's there there's something about it. And I it was something I really missed. Cause I my plan actually was I was gonna go out there, catch two white bass, use them use them for bait. It's like, man, catching a fish on a jig is pretty fun. And I just ended <laughs> up I just stayed fishing for uh white bass and crappies the whole time. Yeah. I went to the wrong lake yesterday and I caught and then this guy, te- oh. yeah. And then and then this guy texts me the picture. <laughs> I could have told you that. <laughs> Thanks. Well, man. I I told him to meet me where I was going. He's like, oh, it's too far. Then he goes out to no, a lake that's it wasn't even farther too, away. It wasn't too far. I was just thinking like, all right, maybe you go there, I go over here, and then we had another buddy went to another spot. So we kind of we, we hit three spots to see who's doing well. So then tomorrow or the next day we can go there. But then go figure. That spot that he went to probably got blown up today, so it's, it is what it is. <laughs> Not because of me, though. I don't. I didn't post nothing. <laughs> it's all good, man. I was just like, oh shit, I was gonna go there today. I was like, oh, I guarantee it's gonna be at least a. It's gonna be masses there now. But oh well, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's heard- tough. Do you, do you do you get like a lot? Are you talking like you put a video up and then people saw where? You- so the thing is, um. I learned from him too about this is that when we do our videos, you know, we do the best we can to number one, we post it obviously post production and we wait like I, I, my videos were like at least two to three weeks out when I posted it two weeks out usually, but we can have two weeks out. Um, and then on top of that, we try not to, we don't name in the lakes or the spot we yeah. go to as best we can. I mean, you know, but if you know, you know, obviously where we're at, um, in regards to like pictures and stuff for social media, 
I typically, if you look at mine, it's just like you just see me and the fish. You don't see shit, anything else. It's like, yeah, this yeah. is a selfie. Is it? Uh, you really don't know where I'm at. And same thing, I think with Kit too. He he actually he doesn't even post pictures until like two, three weeks. I'm like, fool, that shit was like four weeks ago. Like this guy just posted, but <laughs> but but I'm glad he does that because. You know, in case somebody knows a spot, like he doesn't, he doesn't want to blow up the spot, not just for himself, but for all of us or, you know, regular anglers that went to go find that spot. So, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, and, but others who are super excited, I can't hate it on them either. People who go and fish and they're super excited. They caught a fish. They take, you know, they take pictures and then people find out about it. You know, they want to post, they want to share their catch and success. So I, I can't hate on that either. So I'm just like, but there's a lot of people who trust me. They're just like, I know they don't like it and they hate it. But you know, we're we're in a world that social media is there, and you let you want to share, you know, your experiences so people can can see, you know, what you've done and and stuff like that. So I I understand both worlds in a way. But yeah, I, I like I said, I think that he does really well, especially when he catches really good and stuff. He does. I know Kit does really well in regards to not blown up a spot yeah i try to i try to not give away too much in the videos yeah like, i'm here to show sense. you i'm here to show you my catch not show you where i'm fishing for sure <laughs> right right and and you know are you it, not entertained yeah, exactly <laughs> right but but he, i i think it's you know at least the videos that we do is more of a just so you guys you know enjoy this is what we experience that's what we're trying to show not not to give you a fishing report uh right. river certified uh, Spencer said that, you know, I, I do this to, to, to show you guys, you know, what I experience and all that stuff and, you know, help teach you guys a little bit, but I'm not here for, for a fishing report to give you a fishing report. So. Right. The thrill of the hunt, man, it exists. That's yeah. there you go. You know, go chase them, go chase them and, and don't get mad. It's just, it's just fishing guys. At the end of the day, we're just fishing, man. Have fun with it. It's supposed to be relaxing. I'm telling you, man, Ernesto, you, our social media was kind of going crazy the past couple of weeks here, you know, in regards to harvesting, in regards to blowing up spots. It's just, but I'm pretty sure every state, every everybody has that issue. It's just like, at the end of the day, guys, it's just fishing, man. Don't take anything personal. Have fun with it. Some, you know, if, if your spot, if somebody's at that spot, go down 100 feet. You're, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Just fishing, man. There's, there's a lot of. There's a lot of fish out there, a lot. Exactly, and... exactly. In a lot of spots. You don't have to go mm -hmm. to that, you know, fish don't stay at the same spot all the time. So I get it, mm -hmm. man. Um, Man, it's been fun, dude. I, I wish we could have you a little bit more. I don't want to keep you too late. But, uh, hey, Kit, you got anything else for Ernesto, man, before before you let him go? Uh, Yeah, if our audience wants to reach out to you with any burning questions, where can they do that? You can find me on... I mean, I can hand out my email and stuff, but probably the easiest way, I guess, if like you have any questions regarding Kansas or stuff <clears throat> or anything, you can reach me on on Twitter. Um, my Twitter's fish4s3. Um, yeah, if you have any questions regarding like, obviously, you guys, we just got done talking about, you know, not giving away the fishing spots and stuff. But any, I mean, we are in the job of like, you know, providing our product for our constituents. So, yeah, any any questions, man, just hit me up on Twitter and uh, we can move forward from there. For sure, for sure. We'll put the we'll put the link in, in the contact information on your Twitter and everything on that, Ernesto. Um, 
This has been fun, man. I, I really enjoy it. We're, we're, we're going to go down there. Hopefully, I don't know how your schedule looks. We'll, we'll talk. We can talk offline, but I don't know how your schedule looks in, a ne- in about a month from now. Um, but thank you so much. And I'm pretty sure the Kansas listeners, they're going to appreciate this. Uh, we might make this a thing. We might we might make it because, you know, uh, there, we have other listeners from other states. Maybe we can grab somebody from over there to, to give them a little bit of a home home field love, you know. So uh, I'm pretty sure our Kansas listeners are going to love this. They're going to love all the information um thank you so much for just dropping in and, and giving us your the 411 on the stripe fish you know fish with stripes the the blue cats everything totally appreciate that and then you got to come up and ice fish with us for sure this year man i'll take you guys up man it's so it's a it's a blast i was looking forward to this podcast you guys are you're a good group of you know guys who just basically sit around a computer and talk it feels like i'm hanging out with you guys really even though we're <laughs> you know a few states away like legitimately so I was really looking forward to this. It's a good time. You guys, you guys are doing good. Awesome. And then um, we'll, we'll see the convention, right, next year? Is, is it good? It's, it's, it's happening there in Kansas, correct? Yeah. So the, the okay. Midwest Fish and Wildlife Conference, uh, which is you know where we did the previous podcast, was in Iowa uh, this year. It's going to be in Kansas uh, at Overland, in actually Overland Park, Ooh, uh, Kansas. Okay. We're kind of in the process of and I was actually... You know, off the air, we can talk about this, but you know, sure. I, if you guys want to continue to do like a, a Kansas podcast, uh, you know, where we get, you know, similar to what Jeff did for you guys, we could get a, a swath of uh, fishery professionals. I know it's kind of a jaunt uh, for you guys, but um, if you guys are coming down, we could set something up similar. Or if you guys just want to partake and take it in, that's cool too. Um, sure. But yeah, we'll the conference, the Midwest Fish and Wildlife, will be in Kansas. Uh, Hopefully we see you guys there. For sure, for sure. Can't wait to uh, can't wait to talk. We'll, we'll talk to you about that for sure. And um, other than that, man, I can't wait to get down to Kansas. I like that's one of the. This is one of the trips that we love. We love because obviously we get to see. I get to see my in laws, my friends, and stuff from from Colorado. But on top of that, we get to do some good fishing in Kansas. And um, it's I people hasn't been there to. Google it, look it up, guys. You know, forums. Kansas has got some amazing fisheries, and you know that goes that goes to tell that you guys are doing an amazing job. So, um, other than that, man, Ernesto, thank you so much, and we will see you next time, brother. Have a good one, man. All right, you guys too. All right, everybody. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>